Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. We're going to be talking about the power of your team when it comes to just being somebody, like the whole experience of being a follower of, uh, of Jesus Christ. And um, we uh, will look into that uh, and the idea that there's about seven things we see that Jesus had a routine of doing. And so we're going to look into that a little bit more. But today what we're going to do is lay a little bit of a foundation uh, for this idea of the power of routine. And... Um, and we're going to just get right into it today. So, come on, we're, uh, you know, there's, there's, in this idea today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through a little bit of um, what the Bible actually teaches a lot about routine, a lot about habit. I was actually pleasantly surprised to find how much the Bible teaches about how routine and habits are actually a key to your success as a follower of Jesus Christ, really in life, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to have some routines. And what I found is just uh, over 18 years now of being in ministry, being uh, a pastor, working with people, that one of the largest reasons that individuals uh, falter in their journey with God is because many people don't have the regular routines in their life to have a sustainability in the distance. It's like a marriage. When you have a relationship with Jesus, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's important to recognize that it's not a one-time at-the-ring altar thing. There's dating going on. There's relationship going on with your wife. You know, I, uh, my wife and I went on a date this week. We took a motorcycle ride in the, the, the uh, smoke, come on, the fire, all the way downtown. And she's coughing <laughs> the whole time. And we went to Made by Marcus down in 17th Ave. <laughs> How many of you have been to Made by Marcus? Put your hand in the air. How many of you have not been to Made by Marcus? You guys need to have a spiritual experience and try some of their... The line was out the door. It was fantastic. The ice cream was amazing. It was super expensive. And it just felt so cool. And it was beautiful down in 17th Ave because they took the street out. So it was just so quiet and peaceful. It was just so fantastic. So I encourage you, if you're married today, take your wife on a date to Made by Marcus. And have a great time down there. Um, but these routines are really important for your walk with God as a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, as being a parent, and as a business owner. There's a lot of different things that uh, it's important that we do with our routine. So, come on. I want to just talk to you about, just right now, three different approaches to life. You know, life often, uh, we have, there's different ways of looking about how to live your life. And how, how we want our life to turn out. The outcomes of our life. And what we want to see our life, you know, if you're single here today, you might have this idea in your mind of getting married. And white picket fence. And two kids. And a, a dog. And a, and a, and a labradoodle. And, you know, you, you know, you might have this idea in your mind. Or maybe you're married and you have this idea or when you're 65 years old life's going to look like this life's going to look like that and this is we have these ideas in our life about where we want to go the trajectory of our life what we want to become where we want to go the things we want to do the person we want to be the, the, the life kind of goals for ourselves and there's kind of three different approaches there's a, an amazing author and writer his Michael Hyatt if you've never read his name Michael Hyatt he's a leadership uh, blogger and, and guy and he wrote some amazing stuff and he talks kind of, I rewrote them for myself, but three kind of ideas about, um, about the ideas of, of the, thank you, there's all these phones here, <laughs> devices everywhere. And one, and what, what, one of them is an Android, I don't know about that. <laughs> what is this, a competition? <laughs> See which recording's better? Yeah. <laughs> 
iPhone will win. <laughs> Some of you are like the flow approach. You know, you're just like going down a, a, the, your life in a canoe, and you just kind of, you just, you know, you just kind of taking the current of life, going down the direction that that life leads you. You you kind of get the job when it comes to you, and you get the relationship when it comes to you. And there's a lot about life that I think some of us need to just chill out and take a little bit of a of a flow mentality to life, and not so be overcomplicated and overstructured. But some of us are just so into the idea that all oh, life will just work out like it'll work out and I'm going to become, you know, I'm going to be a millionaire when I'm 30, but it'll just work out, it'll just happen, you know, we'll just get there, you know, it's this idea of this flow and I have kind of actually been this kind of personality and my life is actually, I look back on my life and realize I kind of just thought, you know, God will figure it out and we'll just get me in the right relationship and get me in the right room and get me in the right place and, you know, God's involved in it and yes, He is, but the reality is, is that, that this kind of mindset, which can be good, can also be, a can actually keep you back a little bit from accomplishing maybe the things that God wants for your life. This go with the flow mentality. There's a balance to it. The, the, other, the other approach is the driver approach. Many of us see exactly what we want with our lives. It's exactly where I want to go. And the routines of these successful people today are bananas crazy. Like some, I don't know, you go online and just Google for one moment, just Google uh, uh, successful routines, uh, uh, routines of successful people, and the internet will explode, like your computer will blow up, because there's so many different articles on what people did to be successful. You know, there's a lot, lot of different, different things, like um, there's a guy, his name's Ian Clark, he's the founder and CEO of the Activation Product. So this is his daily routine. Um, uh, he, he, he drinks a cleansing mineral uh, at 5 in the morning, at 1 ounce of water, drinks one quart of structured purified water to fresh up my system, 20 minutes of Turkish get-ups with 45-pound kettlebell to wake up every muscle, 36-minute session on my Sequex, and take 3 millimeters of Oceans Alive Marine uh, uh, Phytoplankton, the ultimate brain nutrient, 30 sprays of Ease Magnesium on my abdomen and lower back after my shower, a supplement for cellular repair. For breakfast, I eat three different types of fruit, two farm-fresh fertilized organic chicken eggs. Finally, I have a green smoothie, and I do this every morning before 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. This guy's got a crazy, crazy, crazy driven process. And some of you, that could be pretty healthy for you just to get out of bed and drink a green smoothie every now and then. You know, it's like some of us just need to get out of bed and do something, you know. But this guy, the driven idea that I'm going to do whatever it takes to be successful in my life. You know, Benjamin Franklin had an uh, um, uh, amazing kind of uh, start to his day. He would walk around the house naked for two hours with every window in his house open. And he called it cold air bath and it would protect him from disease and so Benjamin Franklin was said to be walking around his home for the first two years of the day completely in the nude with all the windows open to get the cold air in to restart his, his internal person and it was very common for him to do this. So another guy named Yoshiro Nakamatsu has over 3,000 inventions that you would know about. One of them if you're from the 90's in computers. Uh, the floppy disk he created the floppy disk and what he would do is his routine to go underwater and get to the point of almost suffocating and dying because he believed that the, every single creative idea he ever had was at the moment of death underwater. 
So he would regularly get underwater and almost die and come up with these creative ideas. These people are, uh, have accomplished so much in life. So there's something to say about the craziness of their routine. But maybe you're in the driver's seat of your life. You're not just flowing. God's just going to take me wherever, you know, like a hippie. You know, but you're kind of like a driver. You're like, I'm going to get there whether, it's, you know, whether or not. I'm going to make it happen. Now, there's another approach to life that I would like to suggest to you that is more of a biblical approach to how you and I should live our lives. And this one is very simple. It's the partner approach. It's the idea... In this, it's the idea that, yes, there are some things that I have to do in my life, but ultimately, God has a plan for my life, and will, that plan will, will actually come to fulfillment in my life, whether I like it or not. But, you and I have a part to play. Many of us either, A, say, well, God's will, and God's in control, and I'm like a puppet on the puppet master's wheel, and he's just figuring me out. And other people say, you know what, God doesn't really have anything to do with this journey, and I'm kind of, you know, like, I'm kind of like, you know, uh, trying to, you know, drive my way to the success of my life. And I want to suggest that it's both and. There's got to be some decisions that you make in your life that are going to create the, the lifestyle and the, the thinking process and, and the, 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 the eating habits and the exercising and the parenting. There's got to be decisions that you make in your life to get you going where God wants you to go. But you have to couple it with the, couple it with the sovereignty of God. And recognize that God is absolutely involved in every single iota detail of your life. And that God's purposes will prevail beyond your plans. Did you know that? Proverbs 19.21 says that. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So even though we have plans in our heart, we've got these ideas in our heart. The man has many plans. It doesn't say the plans are bad. It doesn't say it's not okay to have plans. It doesn't say that you should never think forward or never have plans. It says you've got many plans in your heart and we all want these plans to pan out and we all want these things to happen but you have to recognize that when you're driving the car of your life that you are not in the driver's seat. That God is actually in the driver's seat of your life and He's partnering with you to get you where you need to go. And as I mentioned earlier, after so many years of working with people, I have found that many people are ready to accept that God has a plan for their life, but they are not ready to accept their personal responsibility of what it takes to get there. And it's very important to understand that there is a power in routine for your life. Not only that, but it's very important to understand that if you are today, you're here, and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a built-in uh, new capacity to have discipline and self-control and something in you that will help you make the personal decisions to be the person that God has called you to be. It's a decision. Everything that's happened in your life started with a choice. The person you married started with a choice. A certain career started with a choice. A certain ministry started with a choice. It's a choice. You have to make a decision that today, starting on June 2nd, today, you are going to start making the personal decisions in your life to do what it takes to get you going on the track that God wants you to get going on. I'm here today to wake you up a little bit in your personal life. You say you're not going to get there by just sitting on your desk. 
There's some responsibility on your part and on my part to recognize that there are some decisions that you will have to make to get you going to where God wants you to be. Look at the scripture in, in Joshua 24. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all your faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But look at this. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, I, I actually really love that it says that. If you actually think about serving God and it just doesn't seem desirable to you, look what it says. Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Do you see that you have a choice? I need you to understand this today. You are not forced to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You're not forced to do anything in your life. It is a personal decision that is yours to make. And if it seems undesirable to you, choose this day who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the Lord or are you not? Make that decision. I know you say, I've never heard a pastor talk like that before. Listen, God would rather you be in, God would rather you be out. God does not want you in the middle. And you've got to make that decision for your life. That I'm going to choose today. That if I'm going to serve the Lord, I'm going to do whatever it takes in my life to fulfill the purposes of God for my life and make the necessary the choices in my life to get me where I need to go. Look at this scripture in John chapter 7. This is Jesus talking. Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God. Do you see that? Anyone who chooses... To do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. We have a choice. So whether it's getting up earlier, I'm talking to a friend of mine, saying he's getting up every morning at 4.30 and working out and doing some stuff and reading his word and you know doing some other things in the morning. And he says it's changed his life. Maybe it's getting up early. Man, I'm gonna get up earlier. Maybe, man, I wanna I wanna date my wife more. Maybe I wanna man, I wanna eat more, more I wanna stop going to McDonald's or AW or, or stop eating out. I wanna eat more home. Maybe it's discipline of devotions or Bible reading or prayer. Maybe it's just exercise. Whatever it might be for your life, I want to encourage you today that you understand that it is a decision. It is up to you. It's not gonna be this emotional experience. How do you know that exercising every morning or doing some sort of routine every morning has nothing to do with how you feel. I play squash every Tuesday and Thursday morning with a guy that I beat every time. Every time we've been five games, I beat him five He's not in the room, so I can say it. I beat him every single time. And I'm there. And, and I get up at 6.40. And I'm being there at 6.45. When I get up at 6.30 or 6.20 to go, believe me, everything in me just wants to curse. I just have to ask forgiveness before I even get out of bed. Because I'm like, Jesus, I hate doing this. And then I get there. You know how it is. Your emotions follow your decision. Your emotions follow the decisions that you make. Look at this. This is our key text for this series here. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and self-discipline. So here's Timothy, a young man, who just started as a pastor in the church. Uh, Timothy is a timid young guy. His mom's a Christian. His dad was not. His dad was a Greek who did not believe uh, in Jesus. And so he comes from a home that was different uh, religions. And here's this young man who's now taking on a large task of pastoring one of the largest churches in all the churches that have been planted. And Paul wants him to understand, listen, you have what it takes to do what God has called you to do. You've got everything in your ability. God has given you everything that you need. I want you to hear me. God has given you everything that 
you need to do to accomplish the purposes of God for your life? Not just a part of the purposes, not just one of the purposes, not just some of the purposes. Did you know that you can fulfill the purposes of God in your life and God is giving you everything that you need to do? He says He's giving you the spirit of love. That's The word is agape. That's unconditional love. Not only have been given love by God, but you've been given the ability to love the people and love life and love the things that God's called you to. You've also given the spirit of the spirit of power. That word power is dunamis. That word dunamis in the Greek means miracle working power. You have been given the miracle working power of God, the spirit power of God to do everything that God has called you to do. You know what that means? That means that your job, the, the job that you're working that's well above your head. And you thought, man, I'm not qualified for this. You've been given the power to do above and beyond all that you can ask or dream or imagine. Maybe it's that relationship or maybe it's that financial thing. Maybe it's that business. God has given you the power to do everything that He's called you to do. And then we stumble upon this interesting word. It goes from super spiritual to super practical. He says, you've been given the spirit of self-discipline. This word self-discipline is an interesting word. It actually means soundness of mind, sober-minded, moderation, self-control, restored to one's senses, to restore control, to curb your desires. Now, every Tuesday and Thursday morning, when I get, when I get on my bike to ride back home from playing the squash, uh, this is my ritual, I sit on my bike in the McDonald's drive-thru, and I debate because I love eating muffins. I'm just not going to lie. I don't care about judge control. I love eating muffins. And I sit there literally and I have this moment where I realize, Lord, you give me the spirit of self-discipline. And I know, Lord, that I'm not supposed to eat this eating muffin, this hash brown, this orange juice, and this coffee that I would love to just cram about under 10 seconds. But Lord, I know that I need to curb my desires. See, this self-discipline thing is something that plays out in every single area of your life. And it is not just your ability. It is a, the spirit of self-discipline. That means that the Holy Spirit that's working in your life actually wants to partner with you in your daily decisions. This scripture here is interesting. This verse. Paul that actually identifies that if you read this Greek word, the, the, the word self-discipline is actually the root word for disciple. In Colossians 2.5 it says, For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined or self-disciplined you are, look at this, and how firm your faith in Christ is. So I love the fact that you're so firm in your faith in Christ, and it's because you're actually a disciple, you are disciplined, you are self-disciplined, you've made a decision that you're going to choose to serve God and do the things you need to do to partner with the purposes of God, therefore I delight in the fact that you are so firm in your faith. This is the foundation idea of what it means to be a disciple. And like I mentioned earlier, the missing component in many followers of Jesus, really in a lot of people, is this component of self-discipline. Recognizing that we have the spirit in us to, to, to actually have the spirit of self-control. The spirit to curb my appetite. The spirit to be able to look at the situation that I'm going to and recognize God's given me the ability to say no or to say yes to the things that I need to say no and yes to in my life. We want to see these things happen in our life, but I recognize that it's very hard. How many of you say, you know what, Ryan? I get what you're saying, but it's hard. Come on, let's put my hand here. Thank the Lord that someone else in the room who admits that. 
Look at this in Hebrews 5.14. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training or practice have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So he says, okay, solid food, mature teaching, mature the, the Word of God, the, the mature Word of God is for those who are mature. So and those who are mature, the Bible articulates, those who are spiritually mature are those who have trained, that word is actually the word routine, or practiced, trained and practiced. They've, they've, they've learned the ability to create routines in their life. This is the key to spiritual maturity in your life is that we have to understand that this Greek word means the habit of doing, to make something a custom, to make something a routine. He says the people who are mature in their walk with God, they have trained themselves to know the difference between right and wrong. They've trained themselves to recognize what's godly and not godly. They've trained themselves to know that this is what I need to do in my life in order to get there. It's the motivation of getting there that is the challenge for every one of us here today. Actually, this word train actually is the word gymnazo. It's actually the word where we get the, the English word gymnasium. It actually means to exercise naked. Hello. This isn't a topic on marriage. <laughs> to exercise naked. The idea was is that you're unfettered, that you don't have weights, that you're completely able to perform at the highest capacity without anything holding you back. Paul wrote this in the context of the Olympic Games that they were having, and these Olympic uh, athletes would, you know, they would do all sorts of these sports, and they would train and train and train and train and prepare themselves for these moments where they would perform and run a race and compete so that they might win the prize, that they might accomplish everything that they set out to do. It required training. It required challenge. It required work. It required perseverance. You're like, oh, I hate this message. Don't worry, it's okay. Uh, it required you giving yourself and saying, I commit today that I'm going to be the person that God's called me to be. I am choosing today that I am going to accomplish the things that God has called me to accomplish. It's with God's sovereignty and God's purposes and my decision to do the things that God has called me to do. The scripture in 1 Corinthians 9. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. That means compete. That word run to win there is actually the Greek word agonize. He said, so have agony, like work hard. There's agony involved in this. It's painful sometimes. Getting up early, it's painful to exercise. It's painful to read your Bible. How about just admit for a moment that they just struggle sometimes. When you read your Bible, your mind goes off into a million different directions. You start reading your Bible, and you're thinking about your kids, you're thinking about a TV show, you're thinking about social media, you're thinking about everything else, and the last thing you want to do is read the Bible. Anybody else? I know I feel that way. So the last thing I want to do is read, you know, the last thing I want to do is open this book and read these pages. I don't feel like being challenged today. <laughs> And so there's something about this idea that, that, that there's this agony that's surrounded around this discipline. Look at this, verse 25. All athletes are disciplined in their training and do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete. Discipline my what? My body. So Paul here is talking about a spiritual matter, but he uses his, he's saying, I'm actually disciplining my body. 
It's very interesting to me. He didn't say, I discipline my mind or I discipline my heart. No, it's an outward, energetic step physically towards what God is asking me to do or God's calling me to do. And it might start with your body getting out of bed. (laughs) It might start with your body getting into bed sooner. Or it might start with you, your body and exercising. Or it might start, who knows where it starts. But there's something physical and real and tangible. It's not just all in your head, which is a part to play in it. Something about you and I actually taking physical steps towards the things that we know God is asking us to do. We know God's asking us to do this thing. I know God's asking me to stop doing that. I know God's asking me to start doing this. I just got to take a step forward physically. And here, look what he says. Training, he says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Muhammad Ali said this amazing quote. He said, I hate, I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life a champion. Don't quit. Suffer now. Go through the training now. Get up early. Whatever it is for you. Start that journey. Take a step forward. It's going to suck. You're going to hate every second of it. You're not going to like it. You won't get much out of it at times. There'll be times when you're just like, oh, this doesn't make any sense to me. But listen, if you just suffer through it, you'll be able to live every day as a champion for God's kingdom. Accomplish the purposes of God in your life. Begin to see change in your attitudes, in your perspectives, and in your marriage, and your thought process, and how you spend your money. Things begin to change and shift in your life for the better, and you recognize this mundane routine that I hate with every iota of my being is actually the contributor to me taking forward strides toward what my goals are in life and what God has called me to do. It's because you made a decision that I'm going to do something about this life that I'm living. I only got one life to live. It's super short. Why not make something of it? get off my bum and start doing it today seeing what God has for your life amen y'all still are like oh I hate this message <laughs> it's okay I do too <laughs> but I'm going to keep preaching it it says you have to train yourself the difference between right and wrong that's interesting that you have to train yourself you know I don't know about you but whenever I'm uh, facing temptation to sin my own life you know, the Bible says, you know, Lord, keep you from temptation. So often, I'll say, you know, Jesus, help me, help me, help me not to be tempted. I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, you know, temptation. But I've been realizing now that a lot of times the reason I'm in the temptation is because I made a decision to get to that place. You read Solomon, Solomon struggled with adultery. He struggled with women. He had a, a problem with wrote about it. And he said that, that there was this young man who walked down sitting down and there was this woman, this, this seductive woman lived where she was a prostitute. And all he had to do was go down a different road. But because he was so prone and so used to walking down that same aisle, down that same road, by that same billboard, by that same thing, he just kept doing it because he thought, oh, I can handle it this time. So you've got to make personal decisions to change your life up. Different relationships, different ways of getting to work, different eating habits, different schedules, different, different, different. You've got to switch it up to get yourself into a place where temptation isn't even a problem to begin with. That 
That's how you have to make the change practically in your life. It requires a decision on your end and you have to train yourself. Now, many of you know my story. It's been a long journey. I've had to train myself to do certain things that I couldn't do before. Certain things I just can't do anymore. The reason I know is because I know if I go down that way, I'm going to be, Jesus help me, Jesus help me, Jesus help me. I have to make personal decisions to train myself to distinguish between right and wrong. I want you to hear me. Then I'm going to say, it's going to sound kind of rude. So I'll say to myself, how about this? I'll say it to me. <laughs> Ryan, you are not as smart as you think you are. You need to train yourself. You're not a, don't be a know-it-all when it comes to your life. Recognize you've got a lot to learn, and there's a lot of areas in your life that need training, and that you just can't conquer this area of your life by your willpower or by God's presence. He'll help you, but you need to stand up and say, okay, I'm going to make some changes. I've got to make some adjustments. I've got to look at my life and say, all right, what do I need to do? to make the necessary changes in my life. Look at this verse here in 1 Timothy 4, 7. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So there's a training that's required on our part to be able to get where God has called us to be. Do you know that the most addictive uh, habits, you know, drugs, um, you know, like nicotine, like cigarettes, you know, addictive types of things like that, um, you know, drinking like heavily, heavy drinking, you know, like where you're drinking too much, you know, it's unhealthy. You know, those things are like, you know how it is. You, you, you can easily with those addictive habits in your life, they, they reward your brain and encourage you to continue their usage. So, like, I mean, I was a, you know, for those of for those people who've ever been around smokers or you've smoked in your life, I just know from people who said, like, you know, you start smoking a cigarette and it releases the dopamine in your mind and your heart, but it's instantly addictive and it's actually, there's an re instant reward that when you smoke the cigarette, there's an instant buzz and there's an instant reward. It's like eating that Twinkie or that double Big Mac with extra bacon on it and I put that in my mouth and I'm like, it's instantly rewarding and later I feel that later, you know, I get in bed, oh my gosh, I have to go to the bathroom. But the, the interesting part is, is that things that are, that are, that are harmful for you are instantly rewarding and highly addictive. Things that are good for you, the reward is very far off. Like, like me exercising and eating right, I want to eat that way, but if I choose to not, you know the results after two months. I, I mean, this, I didn't get this way, this, look this way because I just was born like this. It's just been months of sacrifice and discipline. <laughs> you know that when you are supposed to exercise or read your Bible or pray or do these things, how many of you know that rarely ever is there an instant satisfaction like something uh, addictive or harmful or destructive? Psychology shows that there's that little, little grooves in your brain that are carved out in your brain every time you engage in a harmful, addictive behavior. Chemicals are released in your brain and it keeps you coming back for more. The good stuff that are supposed to happen in your life, it doesn't carve as much of a, a groove in your mind and it takes longer to rewire the brain so that the chemicals know when to release in your life. 
So we have to recognize that if you say, man, I read my Bible for a whole week and nothing happened. Well, you've got to read it for about two months before something's going to happen. Say, that sucks. Well, just get over it. That's how it is. Sometimes you're going to read it like, oh, that's a rhema word from God. It changed my life. I love it. And it will keep you coming back for more. And more and more that happens than not with the word. But when it comes to other things in your life, you recognize that it takes effort. It takes time. It takes sacrifice. It takes, it's, it, sometimes it's agony. Sometimes it's difficult. But I want you to know that if you're willing to choose today and to pay the price of discipleship in your life, you will fulfill the purposes of God for your life. I want you to hear me so strongly today because I want to de-spiritualize your life a little bit. I want you to know that God's purposes will prevail. But I want you to hear me. Without routine and discipline in your life, you're going to do great things for God. With discipline and routine in your life, you're going to go so much farther than you ever expected to go. That's why Jesus said, you will do even greater things than these. It wasn't just because every one of us has the ability to do greater things than Jesus. It's because they watched Jesus' life and how he had a routine and he did things a certain way. They were disciples of Jesus and they watched how he did it. He said, you do what I do and you'll go far beyond what I can do. So your life will be good if you don't have discipline. But your life will be better if you do. <laughs> Let's read this other verse here in Hebrews 5.8. It's very interesting. So we're learning from Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty nine. It says, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me." That word "learn" is the word "habit" or "routine." And so the idea here in Hebrews five eight. Look at this. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned, he routined, he habited, he was trained in obedience from the things that he suffered. So Jesus himself had to have self-discipline. That word obedience there is, is actually a really cool word. It implies the idea of compliance. Or it means to listen and to respond to what is being said. So listen, Jesus himself had to learn how to listen and respond to what's being said. And I find it, it says through suffering. That word suffering there is interesting. You would automatically think that it would deal with physical. This is actually referring to a highly emotional suffering. The idea behind this emotional suffering is, is that whenever Jesus came up against a challenge in his emotion, where he didn't want to do something, remember, when Jesus was going to the cross, what was the prayer he prayed? God, take this cup from me if you can. I actually don't want to do this. Everything in my being says, I don't want to be crucified on a cross. In that moment, when he didn't want to do something, is when he learned how to listen to God's voice and respond. It's very important to understand this, that Jesus himself was just like you. That when you face an emotional crisis in your life, and you know you've got to get out of bed, and you know you can't eat that thing, or you know you're going to get a better relationship, or you've got to get yourself in the routines that you know you, you know that Jesus himself didn't want to do it either. And that he learned, he trained how to be obedient when his emotions were telling him, you don't want to do this. Because remember, he was 100% man. You don't want to do this? Come on, your physical body doesn't want to do this. Your mental mind doesn't want to do this. His natural human mind was saying, and he had to train himself. That when his body and his mind were saying no, Jesus had to learn to say yes. The word self-discipline in our key text actually means the control of oneself in the face of panic or passion. It's control when you're in a panic or when you don't want to keep going and you don't want to see 
the next steps in your life, or it's too challenging in your relationship with your wife, or it's too challenging in my business, or things are too hard, and I know what I need to do, I know what I'm supposed to be doing at this moment, but everything in me says no, everything in me says I don't want to do it. The, the idea itself, the spirit of self-discipline is that when you feel that in your life, the spirit of God comes and says, okay, I'm going to help you control when your emotions are saying no, when your emotions say don't do it, when your emotions are trying to sabotage you, the spirit of God comes and says, okay, come on, you can do this. You can make the right decisions and the right choices in your life. And these are the moments when we are derailed. I don't know about you, my own journey with God, my own journey with life. The moments I fail in your New Year's resolution, I mean, I haven't worked out with Joel for two weeks and he quit on me, so I just chose somewhere else. I worked out with Joel for two weeks, super excited, whole 30. At the end of it, I was feeling amazing. I mean, I looked huge. It's just like rocked. And my emotion said, you don't like this anymore. You don't want to drive to the West Hills. Joel's too strong for you. He's going to make you feel stupid, which he never did. He's very kind. And everything in my mind was saying, oh, no, like, gosh, you got to quit and do something else and try something else and change something else. And guess what? I quit. Y'all know that. It's be, you know, I quit. But whatever. Whatever the value. It's all right. Whatever. I quit. And the reason I quit, there are multiple reasons, but the reason I quit was because in that season, I wasn't able to train myself to make the decisions I needed to make to be the person that God's called me to be. And we all know that every single person in this room struggles with this very thing. We all know that we all know that we know what we need to do. How many of you say, I know what I need to do to get where I need to go? I know what I need to do to become the person that God's called me to become. Those are the moments when we're derailed in our walk with God. When you don't want to read your Bible, or you don't want to pray, or you don't want to date your wife, or don't want to work on your marriage, or you don't want to do a budget, when those moments come, those are the moments when many of us derail on our journey of life, and we are stuck. Some of you here today have been stuck in the same place for a long time because you don't know how to get out of the rut that you're in. You have to retrain yourself with some partnership, with some community, with some help, join a group, come to Pursue Night, be a part of the church on Sunday, get some friendships, be in a relationship, people can spur you on towards retraining the things you used to think and retrain yourself to think differently so that God can even get where God's called you to go. Some of you are so stuck. I was stuck for so long. And I realized finally, wow, I have a responsibility in this life to make the decision that I need to make to go where God has called me to go. I want to end on this here this morning. There's great things that come from this and I was going to read in John 15 and tell you about how the results of it was that there's fruit in your life. You bring glory to God with your life and there's an overflowing joy. There's a joy that comes from self-discipline. Have you ever seen your habit take place and you find yourself actually exercising, actually you know, in that relationship, it's working out. You've made that decision, I'm going to do this, you've done it. How many of you know that after it becomes a habit in your life, it just develops this deep, deep, overflowing joy in your life. You see fruit in your life. You, you start bringing glory to God in your life. Steve Jobs, uh, in, he gave a commencement speech in his two, 2005 Stanford, uh, Stanford commencement speech. He talked about one daily habit that made the biggest impact on his life. He said that every day he would ask himself this question. 
If today was the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about to do today? And if the answer was no for, for several days, he knew that something had to change in his life. He said that the, the, the understanding that one day he was going to die, the reality of death for Steve Jobs is what drove him he wrote here, remembering I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment, all failure, all these things just fall away in the face of death. Remembering that you're going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking that you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. That is a kingdom mindset. Steve Jobs just talked like Jesus for a moment. He said, consider every single day that, that today, that's what Jesus said. He said, today has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. Joshua said, choose today who you are going to serve. Luke 9.23 says, he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily. It's a daily choice. It's not a choice for next week. It's not a choice for next month. It's a choice for right now. June 2nd, on this Sunday, today on this beautiful, beautiful day today, you have a decision to make today. Every day you wake up, recognize that this life is nothing but a breath. It's just a glimpse. It's just a mist of air. And you have an opportunity to make a significant difference for the kingdom of God on this planet by building a kingdom-minded business, by having a kingdom-minded relationship, by having kingdom finances, and all of these different things in your life. You have daily choices to make, and you can start today. If you were going to die at the end of this week, would you still do what you're doing right now? Think about that question. Seven days to live. How would you change your life today? How would you mend relationships? How would you invest into your marriage with your children? How would you look at your business objectives and say, oh man, I'm going to shift that to here? Recognize that your answer, how you feel, your raw answer is actually the why for your life. And now you've got to start creating routines around this, godly decisions, routines around this future objective for your life to get you where you're going. Because God wants you there too. But you have to make a personal decision that you want to go there too. I just thought there's some people in the room today that are stuck, discouraged, stuck in a rut, stuck in a ditch, just throwing my man, I don't know what to do today. And I'm going to pray right now the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to speak to your heart, give you some motivation, spirit of self-discipline. But also that he's going to remind you today that you have a role to play in this. Would you bow your head for me this morning? Close your eyes and I'll pray for you. Lord, today we just acknowledge first the Lord that you had a plan for our lives. That you created us, God, with a plan in mind. The Bible says, Lord, that you want to do above and beyond all that we can ask or dream or imagine. So we acknowledge God today that, that you're involved in our lives and that you have a purpose. And now, Lord, I pray for those in the room today, God, who are stuck. We're in a ditch. 
feel like life has just kind of come to this point in the flow of life and we're not really quite sure, Lord, what to do next. I pray, Lord, that last comment from Steve Jobs about their life, that if life were to end today, what I continue to do what I'm going to do, that I pray that that would rattle their cage this morning, rattle their heart, rattle their mind to remind them that, Lord, this life is short, and Lord, I pray for motivation. Lord, even when there's not motivation, even when they're not feeling it, I pray, God, they would make the decisions to do what they know they need to do. And God, it's by your spirit. It's with your power. It's with your partnership. You can help us get to the place that you call us to be and the person you call us to be. Come on, every eye closed. Come on, you're in the room today. You say, Ryan, man, I'd like to start a relationship with God today, a relationship with Jesus. We do this every Sunday morning. I just want to give you an opportunity today if you feel like, man, I'm kind of far from God. I don't have a relationship with Him and I'd like to, I'd like to start this journey today and give my life to Him and go on this journey to know Him better. If that's you today and you just, I'm not embarrassed, I'm not going to call you for it. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Would you just put your hand in there really quick just so I can see you put it right down real fast. I just want to see if there's anybody in the room today who wants to start a journey in a relationship with Jesus who can help you and guide you and forgive you and redeem you. On church, would you stand with me this morning? Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.